Welcome to this Ashall Media Podcast, supporting a growing community of financial advisors. Hello and welcome to the Rockhold Podcast channel. Since we last spoke, there's been an awful lot of change in the market. We've seen US rates up 75 basis points, 50 basis points here at home from our dear friends at the Bank of England. Inflation is maybe peaking in the US. Doesn't look as if it's peaking here at home. Um, recession looks at least 50% likely, um, US, UK, and even more prone in Germany, of course. There's an awful lot to discuss, so uh, let's get going. Morning, John. Morning, Asim. Good morning, Andrew. Hope you both, morning, Andrew. Hope you're both well and able to enjoy this wonderful, memorable summer. Um, thinking about things that are memorable, in inflation, you know, the concept of going back to the 1970s, which we've discussed here before. But are we now considering inflation may have peaked, possibly in the US, if not at home? What are our thoughts about US first and then UK second, John? Yeah, well, the US inflation numbers uh, for July obviously came in at 8.5% um, annualised. Um, down from 9.1% in June. Um, and obviously the main component of that uh, was the fall in gasoline prices uh, over the month, which helped considerably reduce the index. Um, what we have been saying quite consistently over the last sort of number of months is that sort of mid-year would start to see the peak in US inflation numbers. Um, and I think we have, you know, that obviously that's been reflected to some extent in the July number. But US PPI numbers were also marginally better than forecast, coming at 9.8% um, versus the 104 that was expected in the market. We've been pointed to some time, haven't we, for a number of the underlying commodity prices, wheat, uh, et cetera, that have been peaking uh, over the last few months. And, you know, it's going to take time, obviously, for those to filter through uh, and the year-on-year effects to come through. But by and large, we do now think that US inflation, US inflation numbers have probably peaked uh, and are on a downward trend. Now, how quickly they come down has always been the issue. Um, even if uh, the year-on-year -year rate was, um, the monthly growth rate was zero over the course of the next few months, we'd only get to about 6% in by the end of the year. So in terms of you know, the path, we're, we're on a declining path, which is good. Um, but to get down towards the Fed's level of 2%, it's going to take you know, 18 months, two years minimum. I think the market is currently thinking in terms of 4%-ish by about Q2 next year for US inflation, um, which is pushing it out. Um, originally, there had been hopes that we might get there by the end of this year, but now it looks as though it's probably unlikely, probably going to be about Q1, Q2. As for the UK, um, well, it's the same story, isn't it, from, uh, that we've been you know, talking about in the last few months, which is that UK inflation rate, unfortunately, is not coming down. It's, it's going up over the course of the next few months. Um, obviously, the energy price cap is the big factor here in the UK, uh, which goes up again in October. Um, and it's quite likely that U UK inflation into the final quarter could be 12% plus. Um, even talk of it, uh, you know, having a 13 or possibly 14 handle on the on the number um, into the into the new year. So we are we are batting against a difficult backdrop here in the UK uh, on the inflation numbers, um, and of course that leaves the the sort of wage backdrop 
um, somewhat problematic too. Um, and, you know, we've talked about a summer of potential discontent um, for some time now, and we're seeing that reflected, obviously, in the wage bargaining process. So I think in summary, look, US inflation, some signs now that, uh, signs that, you know, we, we are probably past the peak in US inflation, which is good news, uh, ultimately down the road. Um, but here in the UK, we've got to struggle for at least another five, six months before we see the peak. Yeah, it does seem that way. Asim, anything to, to add to John's remarks there? No, I think I think uh, pretty much everything covered. The energy prices and the transport side of things is is uh, what we are keeping a close eye on. Um, the, the only thing I would add is the energy prices uh, or the increase or decrease in energy prices is very much dependent on the geopolitical risk, and it's very much exogenous, uh, which is is something which is, has been feeding into this inflation scenario. So. Uh, it's outside the control of the uh, of the monetary policy within the US, so it will very much depend, the inflation depend on what the energy prices do from here on. Yeah, very much so. So um, US looking to possibly have peaked, but uh, UK not there yet, and sort of generally um, higher for longer, which has been our mantra for, I don't know, 12 months or more. Okay, so inexorably linked to that, of course, is uh, interest rates and monetary policy. Uh, Jerome Powell mentioned um, the the Fed has now reached neutral. Um, so if it tightens any further, at least in theory, it ought to have a faster, more, more sort of longer lasting effect. Do we see much further to go with US uh, interest rate policy? Uh, Asim, do you want to go first on this one? Uh, I mean, as, as John covered, the target inflation for the Fed is around 4 percent uh, for this year. Now, even if you take the base case uh, or base effects in, into account, uh, from here on, getting to 4% is uh, pretty difficult in this scenario. So the only, the only way you can get to that level is, or, or to control the inflation, is to increase or keep tightening the monetary policy, which they are. Now, I'm not sure what Jerome Powell um, I mean, think is, is thinking at this point, or, or for that matter, the Fed, um, in terms of the tightening cycle. Uh, but I think right now we we are still in that tightening mode and will probably remain somewhere till around Q1 next year. Okay, thank you. John, what do you think? Yeah, the concept of um, a neutral or natural or equilibrium rate um, on the Fed's funds rate is um, it's, uh, it's 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 not a um, it's an estimate. It's uh, it's not a uh, it's not a, and it's also not a constant over time. Um, so. There's been some quite um, interesting responses from uh, uh, over the last week or so in response to Jerome Powell's statement that we could be close to the natural rate. Um, as I say, uh, the New York Fed President William Dudley um, um, was quite forthright in his comments uh, this week when he said that he, he felt that uh, there was no way that we could be close to a Fed funds rate with uh, the unemployment rate where it is. Uh, and inflation where it currently is. And he's talking about US Fed funds rate having to get to 4% plus uh, to get to a more neutral level. Having said all of that, um, I think there are two things to bear into mind that, uh, you know, obviously a natural rate depends, two things in it. There's the inflation component, the real rate, and the real rate. And the real rates uh, component, probably you'd need to see somewhere around about one and a half to three and inflation somewhere around about sort of between two. 
So a natural rate, I would think, should be sitting somewhere around about somewhere between sort of three and a half to five um, as the natural rate to be heading towards. Now, we're currently at two, two to 2.25 in the channel. Um, September, we would expect to see at least another 50 basis points rise. November, probably another 25 basis point rise, which would take you up, uh, take us up into that sort of three, three, three and a quarter, three and a half range on the Fed funds rate, which is probably getting closer towards equilibrium in my mind. The two other things to bear in mind this year, which have added, added to the tightening story, which is one, the dollar. Um, the dollar's risen, risen 10% this year, which uh, in itself is a policy tightening effect uh, on the economy in terms of uh, controlling the inflationary pressure. And the second thing is quantitative tightening. Uh, I've mentioned this uh, many times before, but we're really only running into the QT, you know, the, the you know, tightening cycle. It, it sort of got underway a month or two ago. Um, but from September, we're going to have, you know, 60 billion runoff in treasuries, 35 billion runoff uh, in um, mortgage-backed securities, um, and that is going to have a further tightening effect, uh, in my mind, on real rates. Um, we've seen the impact, obviously, on mortgage rates um, uh, in the States, um, which have moved up quite considerably since the beginning of the year. So in aggregate, monetary policy is probably a lot tighter than many people think, mm. just purely looking at the Fed's funds rate. So there is some logic behind perhaps what um, Jerome Powell is saying, that we, we might be getting closer to a, 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 new, a neutral rate. Um, and in fact, my old colleague, um, Edward Giardini, Dr. Edward Giardini, um, produced a, a pretty good paper on this, which was published um, recently in the Financial Times. So uh, if anybody hasn't had a look at that, um, it, that's worth digging out. But he's basically making those, uh, those important points about the dollar and also the, effect, the impact of QT coming along which reinforces the point I've been making that, you know, QT itself is going to be a tightening effect. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of paper to be uh, mopped up by the non-bank financial sector. Uh, and the impact of that in terms of long-term bond yields and the impact on that in terms of the squeeze on the economy is yet to be fully recognised. Thanks, John. So we'll, let, let's pick up Treasury yields in a minute. But Asim, do you just want to have a couple of words maybe on, on the uh, US dollar, the Dixie? And, and your thoughts about that? Well, um, we've been tracking Dixie from what when it was around 88, and we expected it to get to around 110. Uh, we saw 109 peak, uh, and now again we, we we still expect that nothing in terms of the risk environment has changed. The geopolitical risks are still alive. You still have the inflation problem, and uh, it, it's it, I mean nothing has changed. So the only way for this Dixie at this point that we we're looking at it is around the initial level. And that's what we have, uh, uh, we've, been, we've been keeping in mind that, okay, so from here onwards, we, we see more strength in it. Now, where would we see a confirmation of it is in, in the volatility index and how the equities behave from here on. So, so yeah, so it's, it's one of those things that you, you, you've got a higher high dollar or a stronger dollar, which basically makes the imports for the US uh, a lot more, uh, not, I wouldn't say a lot more, but uh, uh, relatively cheap. Um, and it, it, it is chipping away that effect of inflation on, on the import side. Um, but at the same time, it's creating a lot more problems in the emerging market side of things, where you, you've got this debt issues and, and, and the coupon payments in, in dollars. 
So yeah, so so we're still keeping a close eye on this, and we expect it to get to around 1015 in uh, in the coming months. Okay, thanks. Let's now just quickly turn to Treasury yields, John. They seem to be trying to push lower, uh, certainly at the long end. Um, do you agree with that? And and what what are the risks from here with regards to those Treasury yields? Yeah, certainly what we have seen in the last few months um, is a push down in long-term yields, 10-year yield. Um, at one point, we pushed up just a fraction short of 3.5%, 3.49%, um, which was our previous target of where rates could get to. And we've seen, obviously, a rally in bond rates um, um, and bond yields coming down to sort of 2.8% sort of region on 10-year on yields over the course of the last month or two. Um, that's been reflected really because the market has started to sense that you know the impact of the monetary policy tightening will lead us into a recession and will lead to an eventual taming of long-term inflation expectations. So what we've also seen over the past couple of months is a radical shift downward in long-term inflation rate expectations back towards that sort of two and a half percent range um, uh, that had pushed up close to three percent. So, yes, um, the market is anticipating a slight chart slowdown, a probable recession. Um, yes, it's been priced into the longer end over the last few months. The one big unknown I go back to is QT and what impact that's likely to have over the second half of the year as a lot of these, you know, um, as, as the non-bank private sector has to mop up a lot more uh, issuance over time. Um, uh, Obviously, the one counterforce is the fact that inflation will be coming down over the course of the next 18 months, two years. Uh, I think that is, you know, that is clear. Um, but um, the impact of QT is the one is the, is the one big, uh, the one big unknown. So while, yes, we have seen great support uh, from falling interest rates and falling bond rates, and that's obviously led to a risk on environment, which has helped, um, you know, a big rally in equities and helped duration assets substantially over the course of the last few months. Um, we, if things could get a little bit more problematic as QT uh, comes through, and obviously as we start to see you know, more signs of economic slowdown coming through. Uh, I mean, the, the only thing which I, I would add to the Treasury yield side of things is that the, if you look at the terminal grade expectations, uh, or, or the 30-year um, at this point is around 312 um, And we, we've seen quite a bit of a movement in the longer end from 10, 10 onwards. And a lot of that is down to the risk of sentiment, uh, which people are obviously now, now, now thinking about, okay, if there is going to be a recession, where do we take cover? Um, and that's pushed it down. But has that, or is that going to change the monetary policy stance? Uh, it's not. So you still have um, a monetary policy affecting the shorter end of the yield curve and possibly a, a parallel shift up. So um, I think we still have a one more go uh, with, with, this, uh, with this policy tightening have an effect on, on, the, uh, on the yield side um, and possibly pushing these up um, before you see a final uh, take cover exercise. Okay, all right, thanks. So let's just now think about recession or no recession or soft landing, um, hard landing, crash landing. <laughs> what sort of landing, John? What, what, what are your thoughts? Well, I think we've been quite consistent, haven't we, Andrew, in suggesting that uh, probability of going into recession has been over fifty percent now for you know good a good few months, and um, certainly the government of the Bank of England here in the UK would tend to agree with that as far as the UK economy is concerned. Uh, in the US, I think the, the balance of evidence is a recession is on its way. So 
perhaps a slightly shallow recession, uh, but a recession nonetheless. Uh, and in Europe, um, you know, obviously with the energy crisis really having a, a very, very strong effect, um, Germany is teetering uh, on the brink of uh, a recession. Uh, and that's likely to bring a number of other economies across continental Europe into a slowdown. So we are entering a difficult period. Um, I think that's inevitable uh, and unfortunate, but uh, um, I, I just can't see how it can be avoided. Yeah, agreed. Asim, what, what are your thoughts on... Yeah, I think I would say if, if the Fed says it's going to be a soft landing, uh, I think you should brace for impact. Um, one of the... <laughs> One of the issues which, which we're looking at is this, this, this problem that the monetary policy cannot address the inflation issue, which is exogenous, and it is very much sitting in the geopolitical risk. So if, if that remains a live risk and you are entering into a slower economy with inflation, uh, with almost full employment, uh, and you're trying to go into an expansion mode, right now you're in a tightening mode, um, you, I think you're inevitably going to end up with a slightly more than just a soft landing. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's that's what we've been saying since January 13 this year, uh, that we expected a Q1 2023 recession. Uh, how bad it's going to be, I think we'll see the narrative build up over the next uh, month or so. No, agreed. We, we certainly have been pretty consistent in, in that uh, prognosis. Okay, so guys, despite everything, long-term investment themes remain intact, uh, question. Um, do we agree with that statement or that question? And um, if so, which investment themes do we favour? John, do you want to go first on this? Yeah, I mean, there are some sort of underlying themes which are still there. They don't, they don't go away, do they? Um, there's obviously been some sort of pushback on the ESG um, agenda over the course of the last six months or so. But, ne uh, and the, and the, but the, the drive towards net zero is still there. Uh, the need to build the infrastructure capable to deliver net zero has to be put in place. Um, we're still a long way to go to get us towards, you know, COP26 and 1.5%. So um, I think some of the underlying themes are still definitely there. They don't disappear. So, you know, this comes down to, you know, looking at the right areas in terms of energy provision, uh, in terms of sort of, uh, in, so also in terms of sort of water usage, uh, in terms of infrastructure that goes all around all of that, uh, and protecting infrastructure. So a lot of the underlying themes linked to, you know, the longer term goal for net zero, um, carbon reduction, still very much firmly in place. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Asim, anything to add, any sort of so, technical thoughts to add on that as well? Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the, the other way to think about this is our core approach uh, is, is based on economies or the areas or economic areas of interest, right? So they, these, we, we think about Europe, we can think about China, we think about uh, the US. Um, so thinking of themes in terms of the economic areas, we, we're thinking about Europe, what are the the issues right now, we're thinking about the food security, we're thinking about the energy security issues. We're thinking about China, there, there, are, there are property issues and there. there's a there's a debt issue in China. Uh, and the monetary policy or the PBOC trying to, to avoid that or, or at least help the economy. Then we are thinking about the US and the UK uh, in terms of the recession issues and then what kind of risks there. 
Um, and if you if you go further down, um, one step lower, you start thinking about okay, what are the sector themes in there? So health is pretty much uh, intact. I think we, health is something which which is going to again, it's a defensive, but it still is something we, we start thinking about the new biotech uh, investments in there or or, or the um, uh, the sector side. So health is in there. Then you've got green energy. Uh, it would probably get a, a big boost from the current. Uh, issue or, or the geopolitical issue affecting the energy metrics. So that's one uh, thing which, which you need to keep it, I think, in mind. And then the sustainable side of things, as John pointed out, is going to get a bit more boost uh, from from current spending bill uh, in the US and and also from the, from Europe trying to switch from the fossil fuels into and less of an energy de dependence on Russia to more more on the uh, on the green energy side. So I think these two stand out. And then you have got the technology. Um, and again, moving again, these, this technology we've been thinking about is probably going to be a new technologies rather than uh, the likes of the internet companies or, or uh, you know, the, the, the usual Microsoft and, and the Google ones. Um, so I think these are the three things, the themes which we probably are uh, favoring at this point. Um, and I think the, the multiples are quite attractive at this point where we are. Um, and as we go into a further dip in there, uh, we'll probably uh, have uh, better multiples to pick up. Agreed. Yeah, these things are not uh, not optional, are they? All right, so let's now drill into the portfolio. So Asim, what changes have you made recently and, and do you have anything planned? Uh, are you able to shed some light for us, please? So we made some changes onto the equity side and we had a target of 4250 to 4364 on, on S&P 500 which the, the market has kind of delivered. So uh, we have made uh, small changes, um, reduce our equity exposure and move slightly more into cash. And we have planned further changes, uh, again, uh, to the same effect, we move slightly down on the equity side and move into cash. Um, and the reason for that is we expect this uh, uh, this rally, the recent rally, which we've seen for the last two or three months, it, it, we expect this to uh, fade. And uh, because, one of the reasons is that there is no change in the macro environment. Uh, the risks are still there, the inflation is still an issue, monetary policy is still tightening. Um, so why would you see a value from here upwards? So we expect this to fade and what we tend to or we are expecting to do is have some uh, dry powder when the market is further down and, and attractive to go back into the market as we did in 2020. Yeah, that makes sense. And on the duration side, on the duration side, we made some changes and we we promise to make some more changes once we see some attractive uh, uh, yield numbers. Um, and we expected the, the, the long end of the yield curve, and we still expect it to move up a, a, a little bit before a, 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 um, a drop in, in the yield side or, or, or the long end of the yield curve. And that's where we expect to move a, a, a bit more of our exposure from the short end of the yield curve to the longer end of the yield curve to, to take advantage of the change in narrative from tightening monetary policy to expansionary monetary policy um, and, and, and a pressure on the, on the yield curve. Okay, good. Um, John, do you have any sort of final remarks perhaps? Yes, um, we've, um, it's, a, it's a week, you know, it's lovely to see the market rebounding a bit. We've had this risk on, uh, risk on period that uh, Asim's alluded to over the last few weeks, um, which has made us all feel a little bit better. But, you know, the lesson of history is that uh, Markets are unlikely to carry on in a straight line from here uh, back up to the previous highs. Um, much more likely now that um, we're as as we as we get to grips with the recession coming, uh, as the economic news comes through, 
um, as the realities of, of further rate rises come through, that we will we will see um, the market roll over and come back a bit. Um, whether or not we retest the mid-June low on the S&P of 3666, we'll find out. Um, less than the history would tend to suggest that that will depend on the, the depth of the recession coming. Um, if we do move into a, you know, a deeper recession, expect, that, expect to get that number tested. Um, but that's really where our focus comes uh, and our attention really now is it's going to be about we we'll get a little bit more defensive now as uh, expect the market to roll over and look as then as he said to deploy cash uh, into that weakness um, to take advantage of the major themes for 2023. No, agreed. And guys, final remarks from me, performance, most importantly, the thing that everyone turns up for, of course, performance. Um, remains extremely good relative um, to the peer group. So thank you very much. Volatility remains uh, certainly constrained within the risk um, category corridors. So all good. So thank you both very much indeed. And we look forward to speaking again soon. Bye for now. Bye.